Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. All right. You know what that means. Uh, You are listening to The Mystery of Parenthood, and I'm Trey Cashin, together here with Thaddeus Romanski. uh, Good afternoon, Trey. Good afternoon. And um, anyway, just slow down a little bit if you got time, and and take a listen. Uh, Let's begin with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. St. John Paul II, pray pray for for us. us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, after my therapy last week on the show with <laughs> with, with Thaddeus, got some know, stuff you know, off your chest has, last week. Stuff, yeah, we're. Uh, I think we're going to turn a little bit more practical because I. So the, the 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 idea of the struggles of the of the pandemic and over the last year. I think it's like anything else. Any troubles can get us disengaged from kind of the guideposts that we have, um, the compass that keeps us head, headed in the right direction. Yeah, and you said one of those last week was, you know, the Ephesians put on the put on the put whole on, put on the whole armor of God, God, and you went you worked through that. And we were ta- we were talking through those things, and those are those are guideposts. You know, the helmet of salvation, the um, breastplate of righteousness, the, sword of truth, the sword of truth. Those those type of things. I think I want to drill down a little bit more and focus on families kind of revisiting something that we've talked about before, because I think... Yeah, we do this about every, this time every couple of years, year or two years yeah. is uh, go back to... And I think it's good. I mean, I think, you know, we've progressed and there there may or may not be more wisdom or more truth, but but uh, hopefully there is as we go through them. But there, there are things that Stephanie and I... Um, I, we articulated this. I mean, seven secrets of purposeful parenting. Purposeful parenting. That's what y'all call and, it. And they were kind of our guideposts, the things that we, when we kind of distilled what helped us make decisions with regard to um, how we would discipline somebody or how we would, we would, um, what our main goal was in, in raising our kids and kind of keep us focused. Because you can, I think, it's like anything else. You can get so caught up in the moment mm-hmm. that if you don't have something to kind of broaden your vision and say, okay, we're going to keep, we need to keep this on the track, so to speak, you can lose it. And um, it's very Definitely. easy to happen. And I, and I think that in the pandemic, those struggles have increased. The, the, the trials are ones that we're not, you know, we can't, uh, we couldn't address. And that's what I like also about guideposts that are more like philosophical. This is what we're trying to accomplish, or this is what we're going to do with this being the, um, the purpose It helps us to stay on track. Even if we enter into times or into situations that we never could have foreseen. And that's what we've always tried to tell our kids. There's certain guideposts or, secrets that that if you if you keep going back to them they'll help you stay on the right path for that and so um 
these have been helpful for Stephanie and I. Um, and so I think it's worth going back over. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it'll be helpful um, to people as they go. So there are several. And the other thing is, is it's it's seven secrets of purposeful parenting. <laughs> right. Which which means that you you have a purpose not necessarily successful parenting. Hopefully the success is a fruit of, I think, being purposeful. But I think it's really important to make sure that we, we're we wanting to be faithful and purposeful. Success is something that's a fruit that, that comes about, and it may go through lots of um, in and out of the what you hope. In other words, you can end up with a child doing everything right, you know, air quotes, right, um, and still have them choose to go another path. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, just to toot my own horn, this, I, was, I was saying, you know, you know that verse? <laughs> and I, and this I, is pretty yeah, impressive. I, dropped, I was, I was I impressed. And I was trying to quote it, and, and, I, and I butchered it, as I usually do, but, but I did remember that it's Ephesians, I'm not Ephesians, we read Ephesians, it was Proverbs 22.6, and... Um, it's always the hope for any time a child makes a misstep or, or uh, a child adult makes a misstep um, that we can fall back on. Which folks, is, folks, Trey, he, he's being too humble. He was in the middle of the conversation and just without losing a beat, he said, you know, it's like in Proverbs 22, 6. And then he gave a pair. He didn't butcher it. He gave a paraphrase of it. Uh, and then we looked, checked in the Bible. I wasn't sure that was it. Bam. It, it he was, nailed it. It was. It's train up. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Hmm. And those are encouraging words because they will depart from it. Notice it's when he is old that he will not depart from it. It doesn't say like when it's going through, which gives us both hope and perspective with regard to how we raise our children. They're, they're, they, they're no different than God raising us. I mean, we step out of line plenty of times. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, if if God the Father, if God is the perfect Father and the the epitome, the the example of what we're meant to be like, then we have to assume that if He's not able to make us <laughs> fall in line on everything all the time, which is true, we're all sinners then why should we think that there's some sort of mechanism that we can do and orchestrate so that our children do everything the way that we'd like them to? Um, They're going to sin in a sense, um, or maybe in reality, when they don't obey us or choose to do something that they know they ought not do. So anyway, these are kind of, these are the seven secrets that we've kind of, like I said, distilled over time as it pretty much encapsulates kind of the the guideposts that we use as as parents. I mean, All right, so let's let's, let's jump into it. Let's get started. Okay, so, so parenting is hard. That's number parenting one. Parenting is hard, and the reason that that's so important to remember is it it takes effort, and there are plenty of failures in the mix. I mean, there are plenty of times when fail in terms of I don't get the the outcome I was hoping for. Like I did this, and my child did not respond the way I hoped to, but. But also, it's hard because no matter what our intentions are, we as parents may overreact or um, do something that we ought not to do, handle something in a way that we shouldn't. Um, and so we have to not beat ourselves up. It's like every it's it's like everything. You know, we need to recognize that we're not perfect, and neither are our children, and that it's hard. The good news is we are guaranteed in living at the sacrament of marriage by the grace of the sacrament and the fact that God has given us children, that he will give us the grace to raise them up as long as we cooperate with that grace. Mm-hmm. The word, That's why purposeful is such an important term, I think. We have to be thinking that it's this is what we're trying to accomplish. Um, and so we're going to be purposeful in how we handle this situation or what we choose to do in that situation or how we encourage our child there. So hard is hard because it kind of reveals our inadequacies, (laughs) but at the same time, it allows us to 
um, invite God in, which we should be doing all the time, and through the grace that comes from the Holy Spirit and from the sacrament of holy matrimony, we can trust that God will um, he'll, he will make he will end up painting the picture with our help of of children who ultimately um, will get to heaven, hopefully. I mean, that's, that's, that's yeah, I think it bears saying that uh, parenting is hard also encompasses that it is physically taxing. It is. Uh, and then it's mentally taxing and then it's emotionally taxing. So, so, you know, you were talking about, and you have a chance to mortify yourself and offer things up. Exactly. Too. And that's, and there's, there's so much good that comes from taking it seriously. Um, but if you take it seriously, it is difficult, physically taxing. It was, it was, it was, you, you had mentioned before the show talking about what does this look like, you know, for you today? Well, I mean, yeah, my, yeah. Kid, my kids are, they're, they're all effectively moved out. That's something we want to do is have right, you reflect yeah. on so, how does this work now? So, you know, how does this work now? I've got three kids tr- filling out transfer applications to three, three kids fill out transfer applications and other kids who will come to me for help on a paper or on a presentation. And I was with my good friend in Dallas and, I, you know, it was Sunday afternoon this past Sunday, not this past Sunday, but Sunday before. And, um, anyway, he was like, dude, you're, you're wearing me out. Well, I, I mean, I spent an hour and a half on the phone helping my daughter with a presentation and then helping then about an hour later was on the phone with my other son <laughs> going over, changes to his essay and so it is it is mentally taxing i mean to you're not just you're just you're not just free to I mean, you could but what i want again is it's hard because my purpose we'll get to this down the road is i want them to know that they can come to me with anything that they that that i'm there you know, as long as they give me enough time to get mentally prepared. Uh, <laughs> and Stephanie, too. I mean, Stephanie, Stephanie would too. be absolutely. saying the same thing. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, it, it is, it's hard at so many levels. And I think if we start with that um, and recognize the cross as the center point as the, as the of our Christianity, it shouldn't be surprising. Yeah, and that old axiom also that just because something's hard doesn't mean it's not worth doing. In fact... It probably means it is worth doing. Exactly. And I'm going to tell you as, as a parent, embracing that and recognizing it and then embracing it and saying, oh, this is the cross I've been given is essential to being a purposeful parent. Yeah. So let's move on to the next thing. The next thing that's going to help you in this fact that it, parenting is hard is keeping the main thing, the main thing. Yeah. I think uh, Pat Riley came up with, I think he wrote a book about that, but I don't think he was thinking the thing, same thing that we are, but but what what's so critical is you have to know like what your true north is. You have to know yeah. the direction you're heading, and so the main thing is the heart of the child. We would always ask, "Are we getting to the heart of the child?" So, in any discipline that we might give, any punishment, any direction. Are we getting to the heart of the child? And that's not really easy, I don't think, to, to pinpoint, well, how do you know if you're getting to the heart of the child? I think that's a difficult thing. But typically the way you can recognize it is you'll see something in them that's beyond just the outward um, compliance with, uh, with, your, with your request or your direction. And so the main thing is the heart of the child. And, and so well, where does that happen? Well, when you're, when you're disciplining a child, oftentimes what you're wanting is an outcome, uh, the, the right response, you know, yes, ma'am, no ma'am was something that, you know, that we did or thank you, please, those type of things. Um, being respectful well, lots of kids. I was talking. I was talking to you. I mean, earlier about Eddie Haskell. I mean, you know, from <laughs> yeah. from Leave It to Beaver fame, yeah. which for you younger ones, you may go not. look it up on YouTube <laughs> if you haven't ever seen a Leave It to Beaver. Episode. But but Eddie Haskell was always polite, always said the right things. But but if you watch the show long enough, you realize he was all the show. 
put a big fancy word on it. He was obsequious. Oh my goodness. I'll have to look that up later. <laughs> but, but, um, but I think keeping the main thing, the keeping the main thing, the main thing is recognizing that it is possible for a child to do the right thing. So like when they're younger, you know, if, if, if you are encouraging the child to ask for forgiveness of their brother or sister and they roll their eyes as they say, I'm sorry, or even the right words, please forgive me. And they roll their eyes. You ha- you can't just let that go. That's why it's, yep. that's why it goes back to hard. You have to go back and say that you don't mean that. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I know that? Because I can read in your body language, mm-hmm. so your voice, the tone of your voice, the way you're saying it. And if you just check the box, okay, he said, I'm sorry. And then, and then moved on, then you, you're not keeping the heart of the child, the matter. Cause you, what you want to do is to try to get them to understand they've offended for whatever, whatever the case is, they've offended the brother or sister and they need to get to where they're actually sorry for it. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the things, one of my favorite stories, and I'll, I'll end with this, one of my favorite stories is when Kennedy, who knew he wasn't supposed to leave the neighborhood, left the neighborhood, got away with it. Nobody knew. He left the neighborhood as a 10-year-old, you oh. know, and oh and went and then came back, and he was fine. I mean, I mean, we didn't know it had happened. Right. And he came in at night before going to bed and started crying. And we're, I mean, before he even said anything and I was like, Kennedy, what's going on? And he goes, well, I, I, I did something I wasn't supposed to do. Well, so, you know, you pray for those moments, but that's a confirmation that the heart was at the center of what he was doing because he could have not said anything. We never would have known. We might've known. I would never tell him. We always tell him we pray that you get caught. So, <laughs> so, so those are things. But, but anyway, that's, that's another thing. Are they, are they really contrite? You right. Can, you can tell. Right. So, okay. So what's number three? Number three is to read and write mysteries. And that gets to the heart of what we're, uh, no pun intended, or maybe that's a nice segue. I don't know. But, but the heart of the matter for us is to, to recognize that, we are, and we mentioned this last week, contending with invisible realities um, mm-hmm. when we're dealing with our when we're dealing with our children, when mm-hmm. we're dealing with our family, and so we have to recognize in in certain moments um, that there's more going on in the story than just what's in front of us. Mm-hmm. So, for example, like we've talked about this before, my daughter. Um, worked so hard, wanted to get into it sixth, you know, in sixth grade, wanted to get into the company, you know, the dance company and and it worked and she got, she was the only person that she knew that didn't get in. She, and so we're, we're sitting there and, and what I mean by reading and writing mysteries is recognizing that that mystery is partially the cross. So we brought her to church and we, and we prayed and we, we talked to her about uniting that with, with Christ's suffering, but then we extended it beyond. So the reality is she didn't get in. So embrace the cross. And then how do you want, how do we respond? So we, we walked her through reading that as a mystery that she needs to learn how to deal with rejection. (laughs) Um, So that was happening tangibly I mean, it was punchable. I mean, it was a real event and with real feelings. And so you recognize that as an opportunity when they're young to talk through, hey, you're going to fail sometimes. So you're reading that as a mystery that ties with the mystery of the church, of Christ and his cross. And you're using that to read it to say, okay, this is an opportunity for us to purposefully teach her about offering it up, and then how do you respond to that? So we walked her through. You have a couple options. I mean, you could quit. I mean, you could say, I don't want to do this anymore. Or what would you like to do? And then, and then we, again, writing mysteries, are trying to act as close to God as possible, saying, okay, here, we don't care which choice you make, but we're going to be there to help you no matter what it is. And so we, we asked her, like, what would, your, what would your plan be on this? 
well, what, what do you want to do? She said, well, I want to continue. So what do you have to do? And we walked her through and helped her walk through. Um, well, hey, I need, probably need to go talk to the teacher. What things do I need to work on? And then when can I come and do it? And so we were there walking along, being a visible sign of God's grace and the way God's grace works in, the, in that moment. The, so we read it as a sign of an opportunity that God's giving her and us as parents to learn from something. And then we're going to be visible signs of the way God's grace, God's grace does not say you have to do this or you have to do that. In a lot of cases, certainly not with dancing, <laughs> but, but with, with this, okay, you make a choice, then you have to cooperate. So we're going to take you up there early so you can work on this. So we're going to do those type of things. And as I always say, part of it is you have to connect the dots. So lots of times we would point out, look, this is the way God works. You're, you're making a choice and he's going to cooperate with you through that choice. It's a good choice. Um, not right or wrong in, in what you're choosing to do, but it's a choice. And so we're going to help you through it. So we're writing a mystery, meaning visibly being signs of God's invisible grace and, and, reading from her circumstances the mystery in that that this is something that is a teachable moment. So we literally were thinking that way. That's the way we thought because we wanted her to understand there's more going on here than just not making the team. And the issue is not making the team. The issue is how do you respond to it? Mm -hmm. And so those are that's a being a purposeful parent. Yeah, I was thinking about some of this um, as we were talking, and for me, another way of understanding this idea of keeping the main thing the main thing, and I think it ties into reading and writing mysteries, is um, the main thing in my mind is um, I want you to know, I want you to know yourself, or that that's another aspect right, of it. Absolutely. So any event, anything that happens. I'm using it to ultimately really it's so that you can know yourself and you can know yourself in relationship to God and what he absolutely. wants for you. And I think that's, that's absolutely what helps you see the mystery in every, um, and, and then every, you have to walk moment. through that. That's exactly right. I mean, that's part of any Christian today. Mm-hmm. We should struggle to come to know ourselves. Where right. are we struggling? What are, what are their problems? And then our relationship with God. So that's the type of thing that they don't, they don't need to learn when they're 18. They need to learn as events present themselves. Right. And that, that story of them getting to know themselves in relationship with God, that fits perfectly into our next secret. Well, right. So, so the next secret is to tell stories. And, you know, first off, you could tell stories by reading Bible stories or even watching good movies that show some, that that reveal some sort of, you know, for us, it was sports, you know, you can watch Rudy and, 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 you know, real life story, whatever it is, you can tell those stories. But, but when we think about this more often than not, we have tried to ourselves as a married couple, see God's hand at work in our lives and the way that he's, the way that he's acted and and then tell stories so that they don't just think, well, it's that movie or it's it's the God that's in this Bible, but that surely doesn't happen to us, mm-hmm. that we have to do that. So one of the things that Stephanie and I did early on, which was which is really a cool thing, is to just try to go back and try to see God's hand in our lives. Like for us, it was like, just think about how hard it is that we even came together to meet. I mean, you're from Louisiana. I'm from Texas. I mean, the the only way we met is two schools closed and these two families became friends and that one family knew you. And I mean, all the things that had to kind of happen, it's hard to imagine it without God's hand in that. So yeah. to tell, so to, so to, to, to be able to articulate that, to our children and say, see, God acts today in our lives and he's orchestrating things that you don't even know. It's in fact, it, it, when it happens, you may not even know at the moment that it's him. But when you look back and reflect, you can recognize that all the different variables that had to come into play 
to do that. And then, like like I said, I was with my good friend to, today, and we started watching some old videos and recognize how long. I mean, he's my old roommate, and she's his maid of honor. I mean, her maid of honor at our wedding, and they met at our wedding. And now their children are going, and he always says, isn't it amazing what God's done? I mean, because you and I became friends because you moved from one school to another and were introduced by a common friend. We became best friends. I mean, all the things that had to happen, and now you look at this and you've got nine children, and they're all good friends, and we love being around each other, and, and all the amazing things that are happening. That's the type of thing that I think we need to tell stories. My grandfather was great at telling stories. I mean, he told stories about when my mother was born and, and the fact that she was born a twin and then the twin died at birth and, and bombing my grandmother almost was dying. And he would tell him about how he, how he responded to that, but how he trusted in God's grace and that how much God gave him peace, even in this horrible situation. And that sees Bami, his wife, and my mother as as blessings that God gave to him that he could have taken away mm. because they were they had struggled so much through the birth. But mm. he would always tell stories, and so I always he would always point to God and see see how you can see God. So that's where I think it came from us, and that's something that has to be passed on. That's effectively what the Bible is anyway. I mean, it's yeah. inspired. Ours is not inspired. Yeah, but but uh, but. We have to tell stories so that our children can know that God is actively involved in our lives and he is orchestrating things even when we don't know he's orchestrating them. And that gives great, I mean, excitement about what's around the corner, you know, um, you know, if you feel kind of stuck in a situation to, to, to recognize that you want your kids to know God's working now in your life and he's got a plan for your life. So yeah, that's, anyway. that's so true. That's I mean, yeah, I so think it's true. really, really important. I think so go back and find, look, just sit down with your spouse or, or yourself and, 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 and go back through main key events in your life and see, um, God at war, ask God to open your eyes in prayer to ways that he's, impacted what's ever's gone in your life and then write those down and then share them with your children um, at every stage. Most of my kids know most of our stories now, which is pretty cool. So anyway. All right. So what's number five? Number five is coach to play. And so I'm an old football coach. What that means is, you know, a lot of work goes on behind the scenes. Um, the coach has got to kind of know what's out there for the team, what they're going to face that they don't know they're going to face and be able to try to extend that to them so that they're aware, okay, here's the issue and then coach them to play, meaning coach them to go on their own into that circumstance and, and allow them to play it out. And guess what? Just like in, in any sporting event, you have a, um, they make mistakes or things don't go the way that you, you plan no matter what happened it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean that things are going to work out but i mean from the very beginning one of those things would be so going say we're taking the kids to a wedding um and they're going to be dressed up um we know that what they don't know which is there're going to be lots of people that come up and talk and they're going to look at them and they're going to offer them a compliment, you know, Hey, you look very nice today or whatever. And so to coach them, we always, you also go, because there's the good, there's the better. <laughs> and then there's the best. So at a minimum we would say, okay, so somebody comes up and says, Hey, Trevor, you look very handsome today. This is before we get there. And the good answer is, well, thank you. <laughs> That's a good answer what would be a better answer? And so we, we would, we would think through what would be a better answer with the child. And, and if, and we'd give them a little bit of heads up, you know, one of the nice things you could do, you know, thank you. You look very nice today too. Um, or something along those lines to extend it 
to you've received a grace and now you're going to give a grace back out. So coaching to play means you want to put them out there so that they experience um, success, nervousness, all the things that are part of life and interacting with other people. But you have to walk them through to give them success. We used to, when they were younger, we never said, say thank you. We had taught them to sign. They, they knew what the thank you sign was. And so to allow them to experience it, particularly without us having to do it when they were early on, was when somebody said something to them. We would stand behind the person or where they couldn't see, and we would just give the thank you sign, and they would pick it up immediately and say thank you. And so it looked like they, they were getting some coach. They were getting coaching, but it looked line, like line, line. You know, they would get it would give them the um, the appearance, and they would get oh man, very well behaved child. I mean, everything from how do you shake hands with somebody as they grow up if it's a guy. I mean, we would coach teach them when you shake it when you shake somebody's hand which i guess it's a fist bump now i don't know but but you know look in the eye shake my hand and and it needs to be firmer than that you need to you know aim at the aim your v to the to the the v of the other person so you need to pay attention and and so little things like that can i mean i had the principal at at uh a&M Consolidated High School come up to me and goes, who taught your son how to shake a hand? I said, well, I did. He's like, this is one of the best teenage handshakes I've ever received. Dude, and that so, just makes you bow up your uh, chest you know, as like, a father. Well, yeah. it's, it's small things, but it, it does make a big difference. Mm-hmm. And so purposefully be thinking about situations that they're going to go in. So when they get older. Okay, so let me. that's where I wanted to go. I want to spend a little bit more time on this coaching one because I think that's an interesting one to hear you say, okay, what's it look like now that they're all out of the house? How are you still, you know, coaching them? Well, I mean, you know, so one child's having a problem with a roommate and, you know, or with a friend or something like that, and they're coming home and they're like so frustrated. Okay, so how do we deal with that? What's the what's the loving but honest way of dealing with it and then walk them through. So what would you like to say? Oh no, we need to tweak that a little bit. That's probably a little harsh. And then, and then allow them to go out. We don't go there and sit and watch that interaction. <laughs> I mean, we're not videoing it and we're not asking her to tape hey, it. Put, put it on yeah. FaceTime so you we know, can watch but, give you some but, tips. But again, if you think about it as a, as a, as an adult, as an adult, when they get, when they get older, Again, you, you're not off the clock. I mean, when they start complaining about something or about a teacher that's not being fair, so what, what do you what what do you think would be a good way to handle that? And then engage them, and then say, well, hey, how about this? Why don't you go? But again, you know, if you think about it, that's goes back to the hard. You have to sit down with them and walk them through. Hey, that's probably not the best thing to say to your teacher or to your friend, but but you can still communicate the truth and do it in a way that is loving. And so like she one of them just had a conversation with a, with one of her friends and there was something that had been bothering her for a long time and the the conversation actually happened and uh, and she came back and she said, "Dad, it went so well. Mom, it went so well." I mean, it was a, it was a, so that's, wow, that's awesome. To I, mean, hear. I, I don't know what happened. We said like, oh, so tell us kind of what the conversation went like, you know, how did it go? And, and she got into the details. I said, did you, did you say it just like that? And yeah, I said, well, that was really well said. And that was said in a loving, kind way. So even at 19 or 20, you can be helping them with things that are skills that are going to help them in marriage. Their skills that are going to help them with their job, right, or with whatever. And so, always be coaching. <laughs> that also points to something which is not on the list, but you want them to look at you as a coach. So when they're having a difficulty mm. at twenty four, twenty five, or eighteen, or nineteen, or ten, eleven it, it, years of age doesn't matter where you want them to have you on the list of people hey i'm struggling with this person or with this situation can you help me the answer is you know 
Yes. So explain to me what's going on. And then you, ha- it, again, it takes time. It takes effort. Mm-hmm. But if you can look at it being purposeful of saying you're trying to raise a child into an adult, that that's what I would say. You know, what's my greatest joy in life is I, I've raised six children who I like. <laughs> I mean, I like them. Stephanie would say the same thing. I, I you know, there are people that I respect their opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people who I can have a conversation. There are people who even to this day can correct me or challenge me and feel comfortable challenging me. Not, not in a disrespectful way, but Hey dad, that, that probably is not the best way to handle this or you're being a little harsh or something like that. I want that. I wanted that. And now I'm starting to see that coming back my way. Wow. But, but anyway, the, the coaching to play is, I think something that doesn't go away and you've got to let them go out and experience it and make mistakes and then come back and, you know, back to the practice field and then mm-hmm. you, and then you help them. Sometimes mm-hmm. the practice field nowadays is a FaceTime or a phone call. Mm-hmm. Did I handle this well, right? I think the, the practice field and making mistakes, that, that goes into the next one, number six, which is uh, build scaffolds and use funnels. Right. And, and so we can spend some more time on this, a little more time on this too, because I think that's another interesting one for what does that look like now when you have children out of yeah, the house? Yeah, so I mean, you know... Well, you first set it up, what, so what the, is it? So the idea of both scaffolds and funnels is there's structures with limitations. I mean, there's something that gives um, form to, in this case, a child. Mm-hmm. And you're, all, all you're doing is you're wanting them within the scope of... A scaffold going. If you can picture a, biz, a a a building going up, you you want them to be the ones that kind of fill in <laughs> inside, but you want to help them stay there. Uh, using funnels, you know, that's one of our parenting in the funnel. We always talked about. We took we took that from that idea from the Ezos, which is a good Baptist family that did growing kids God's way, and think it fits completely with the way God works. So we've always said, you know, um, our job is to try to um, show children, our children, the way it's best we can in the very limited way that we can, the way God works. God wants for, I mean, even if you think about the, from the very beginning in the garden of Eden, the, you know, you can eat of any tree of the, uh, on this, but of this tree you shall not eat. So total freedom with, with one, don't do that. Um, so we have always tried to show them that you have, within the confines of this, we're going to give you freedom to make mistakes, to make bad choices. And our job is to try to make sure that we've laid the scaffolding, scaffolding as they as they grow up, or the funnel as as they grow up, to set the limits that protect them from making um, a seriously bad mistake, one that they might not be able to recover from. Versus, hey, you have the freedom inside of this to do this. So, with the funnel, for example, I mean this is a simple thing, but it's the beginning of 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 trying to teach them this. The first thing is on limits with regard to either of these. As they grow up, you need to be able to both expect from them a yes, mom, or yes, dad, when you say that's beyond where you can go, whatever that is. But then you also want to set up choices for them as they show that they're going to say yes to you on this, that within the confines of this, you have these choices we don't care which one you make, make, make the choice. And you need to think about that. So from the very beginning, um, if they were going to get dressed as they got older, three, four years old, and they want to, they want to wear their clothes and, and, and we would say, well, you, you know, it's 25 degrees out there or 30, you can't wear shorts. I mean, you can't, I don't care if that's what you want to wear. So that's a no. But then we might lay out for we might lay out for them. Here are two outfits that you could wear and make the choice. 
Well, they've got to first be able to say without a fit. So we always say that the freedom comes with your ability to accept limits. (laughs) If you can accept a limit and show that you'll respectfully accept a limit, then we'll give you choices. You'll, you'll, You'll receive freedom. And that interaction is life, really. <laughs> you need to be willing to accept limitations and say yes to that limitation, but then know that you have the freedom within the confines of the funnel. If you look at a funnel, you know, the, the, the walls of the funnel as being the limitations. Outside's not good, but inside there's lots of options in there that, that you could choose. So we start with that. Um, as they grow older, it could be, I want to go see a movie. Okay, well, again, you, you, you tie some of these together. Okay, you have the freedom. Here are ones that you could go see. Of these, which ones are there? Uh, which one would you like to see? And by the way, hey, we can go to this website and this website and read about each of them, both to get an idea of the, of the story itself. Does that sound interesting to you? But also the content. Is there anything that you need to be aware of? going forward. And we always say we're always moving towards freedom. And that's actually one of the encouraging things. If you can show us that you can accept limitations and that you have the, and that you make responsible decisions within the funnel, we will extend more and more your freedoms in the funnel or within the scaffold of the, of the building and so as they got older, I always say, by the time you're a senior, I don't want to have to set the alarm. I don't want to have to ask you if you're doing your homework. I don't want to, I'm not going to be checking your grades because that's not going to happen when I go to college. I'm not going to get online and do it. They won't even let me do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it's become yours at this point. Mm-hmm. So when they're younger, you know, we would, we would say, look, we're moving towards total freedom of yours. We, we want complete freedom, but you have to understand that freedom means not doing what I want to do. It's not licensed to do whatever I want to do. That even when you leave this house, you're going to have to set up your own funnel and your own and continue the scaffold as you build. You're Mm -hmm. going to have to say, yeah, that's a great point. These are, these are certain things. So we'd always say the funnel doesn't end when, when you leave, it becomes yours at that point. And so all we're doing is showing you these are limitations that are reasonable limitations. If you can operate inside those limitations, that's fine. You know, eventually it's going to become a cylinder that you have determined what kind of what the size of it is. Yeah, probably. I would think so. I would guess at some point, you know, it becomes so broad that you can do whatever we would tell them, you know, you have the freedom to not do well in school, but that, will bring with it limitations. Right, right. <laughs> so sometimes if you don't use your freedom correctly, you're going you're gonna to cause limitations. So we said, why do we want you to do well in school? Because we want you to have options. So anyway, I think that, I think that it's really important to do that. And as they get older, you know, we, we've always, we've always, um, we've always kind of told them that, we're moving towards freedom. And then at some point, and we've also told them, if you want to use us as an excuse <laughs> to get out of something you feel uncomfortable about, like, oh, my mom and dad won't let me do that, you can use us. You're free to use us. Yes, I tell uh, them that all the time. We, it, we even give them specific you know, examples sometimes exactly. where here, what you need to say is my mom says such and such. Right. So put it on you're us. coaching, but put it on us. So you can take it, you can take it off yourself. But I, one of my favorite stories is my daughter who was in college came home and was, and, and said, Hey, my friends are going to see this movie. And I went and looked it up. She's 21 years old. And I said, do you want my opinion? And she said, yeah. I said, I would not go see it. And, and she said, well, just, just say no. So I can, so I can bow out because my parents, I said, you're 21 years old. I'm not going to tell you no. This is your decision to make. So at some point, you have to know when it's not your job to set the limitation. And I, and I said, I wouldn't go. I would just tell my friends I want to go see some, something else or I would bow out. I don't want to bow out. Well, so she goes to see the movie 
<laughs> and and she comes home. She goes, Dad, I shouldn't have. I, I, I that was a, not a good decision. I said, you know, is that going to cause her to lose her soul? It wasn't, you know, no. What what that was was I said, listen. So the next time I tell you, it's probably not a good movie to see. If you ask my opinion, you might weigh that a little bit more. Um in your decision, but I'm still not going to jump in and say, <laughs> you can use me because at some point it has to become you. So, right. um, right. so that's again, tying in the coaching, it's tying in all the things we're talking about, the limitations, but, but at some point you've got to allow them to make their own mistakes. And that's what we're going towards. All and right. So probably, now we, you've mentioned it several times that we're moving towards freedom. Um, but, you know, you want to be along the way. Um, last one, saying yes. Saying, saying yes. yes. So, so we, we, <laughs> parenting can become a lot of no's. In fact, it can become so much a no that it's disheartening to your children. So what we decided was we're always going to try to say yes. <laughs> we're we're going to try to say yes. And we have to communicate to our children, we're trying to say yes. So that when we say no, they're more accepting of the no. And so for, you know, we wanted to try to do at least as many yeses during the day as no's. So sometimes you have to orchestrate that and, and you know, allow them to do it. Another thing that I think was really helpful with the, with the yes deal is particularly when they're younger, and there's a lot of a lot of positives to this, but again, it's work. If they said, "Hey, I want to go spend the night at this person's house and whatever," and and it's something that I initially don't feel comfortable with, and so my initial response is, "No, that's not a good idea." Maybe it's spending house. Maybe it's doing whatever. But what we what we did allow them is if they really were having a struggle with it was, okay, then make an argument to me, <laughs> you know, make an argument to me respectfully of why I should let you do this. Mm -hmm. And more times than not, not, not always, but, but plenty of times after they had expressed why they wanted to do something, I was like, that's a pretty good argument. So I'm going to let you do it. I just know I'm a little concerned, but, but you've made a a good argument and it's fair. So you, that does lots of things in terms of building a culture that no doesn't mean, you know, we, we used, we used, cause it was from going kids God's way and we never could figure out the right thing is, you know, they would say, may I appeal <laughs> like mm -hmm. if the answer was no. So for example, we would say, okay, when it's time to eat, it's time to eat. But you you go watch a Veggie Tales or whatever's on TV, and I would go dinner's ready. You need to come now. Well, then, if you just are hard and fast on that, and you and you just say no, and you go up and turn off the TV and say march down, that's not building that culture that you want, which is which is freedom. Right. So right. we got them to say, "May I appeal?" So give me some more information. Why are you appealing? Well, there's only five minutes left in this show and it would seem kind of to end it now and then to come back and watch this five minutes. Can we have five more minutes? And in a case like that, it's sure. Five more minutes is reasonable. You know, it's not like start a movie or start a show now, <laughs> but, but, but give you additional information and you say, yes, yeah, that's, that's, that's reasonable. What I found is, is down the road, when they get older, it's very helpful because, you, and you need to be asking yourself this as they're growing up. Am I characterized by someone who's trying to say yes, who, who wants to try to say yes to things? And if you can ask your 16 or 17 year old, what am I characterized by? Am I, have I tried to say yes? Am I reasonable about my no's and my yeses? And if they, if they can say that, then when you say, okay, so this is a no, <laughs> this is a hard no, um, I have found that doesn't mean, oh, great, it doesn't mean they don't get upset, but they're accepting of it. 
But you kind of, in your mind, I think, do need to keep a little bit of a tally. <laughs> it's, it's like negative things versus positive things. If you're correcting a child for things you do, you need to find at least one or two things to encourage them. Hey, I saw you doing this. I mean, actively go out and make an effort, not, not fabricating things, not making it up, but, but, but being attentive to what they're doing. And when they do something that's good to say, wow, I saw you do that. That, w- that was really something I'm proud of you, or you ought to be proud of yourself for the way you handle that circumstance. We can't get into no's and negativity to the exclusion of that because it wears down anybody. <laughs> it wears down children just like it would wear down you and me. Um, there has to be an offset. And, and the reality is most of parenting you think of as being no's, and you have to be willing to say no. You have the right to say no. There are times when you should absolutely say no. But the way you offset that is say is have the have the thought process. I'm going to try to say yes most of the time, and I want when they are older to say when I ask them. Am I characterized by somebody who says no all the time? When they can say that, and I've got to pay attention. But when they can say yes to that, then when I say a hard no, they're more accepting of it. Not always happy about it, but but accepting of it. So, all right. So this is our our last minute. All how right. Do wanna, how minute. do you want to wrap up? Well, I'm just going to say, you know, the, the hopefully these seven things are guideposts that you can use in terms of going forward as you raise your kids at any level, so that you can do it. But 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 do remember, parenting is hard. Keep the main thing the main thing. Their heart. You know, you want their heart. Read and write mysteries. Be looking at opportunities to see God at work in their life. Tell stories. Tell them about how God's worked in your life. Coach to play. Build scaffolds. Use funnels. Set limits, but allow them freedom within those limits, and then work at saying yes. So if you do that, um, at least you'll be purposeful. So, uh, remember, pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. I promise you you will. God bless. Pray for me. Praying for you. Bye.